Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. No interest. It's a reverse relationship. Most people are used to paying all interest and a teeny bit of principal. Well, this is all principal. And so you have massive, massive principal reduction. And in my eyes, more ways to protect yourself and be recession proof because that's how we operate. Every decision we make is, okay, is this recession proof or as close to it as we can? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. It's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. My name is V Ku, and you're now listening to my show, the Real Estate Lab Podcast. Hey, as you know, I've recently just came back from a mastermind. It was an eye-opening experience for me. I've learned so much there, so I wanted to share lessons that I've learned from other members and also the speakers at the event with you. I'm positive that it would impact your business as well as your personal life. It's actually inspired me to start a coaching program. I will share with you more information in a future episode. So I've shared with you Jeff Goins and Christian Boss in the last episode. Today's episode, I want to share with you about Grant Baldwin. Grant is a speaker, a podcaster, an author, owner of Speakers Lab, and a hustler. His new book, Successful Speaker, is a must-have for any aspiring speakers. And the lessons I learned from him is the art of pizza making. So imagine this. You are a wonderful pizza baker you know your secret sauce and the recipe that you have is second to none when you open up your pizza restaurant do you think that you have to work more on making pizza baking the pie or do you work more on running the business and i can tell you at first i was thinking well if i have the best pizza in town of course i'm gonna be focusing in improving quality and serving my customers there. But the reality is so different. What Grant shared with me is that you need to be focusing 80% of the time on your business. 80% of the time you need to spend thinking about your business and how to improve system process and bring in more revenue to your business. Because at the end of the day, Even if you have a wonderful pie, the best pie in town, in fact, the best pie in the world is the one that you make. It doesn't matter if you don't have a place to bake it. It doesn't matter if you don't have a business to share that with the world. So you have to actually work more on your business rather than in your business. The ratio that Grant said was that 80, 20, 80 on your business, 20 in your business. Now, I am so excited to share with you today's episode. We have someone who is really special. He is a two-time best-selling author. You will get his book for free by going to the link in the show notes, and you will hear about that link also um, later in the episode. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of SmartRealEstateCoach.com. He is also the host of Smart Real Estate Coach podcast. He has over 28 years in real estate investing experience from building new homes to owning a realty executive franchise. Our guest is also a big advocate of constant education and participate in high-level mastermind. I guess high-ticket mastermind. He puts on some of the best live events in the country. And it's time for us to finally meet in person, my friend, Labmate. I am going to be at his event in early April. You can go to bizscaling.com for more info. It's bizscaling.com. So who is our guest? Well, our guest is Chris Prefontaine. Chris runs his own buying and selling real estate business with his family together Chris and his family team have done over $100 million in real estate transaction volume. Chris is also a contributing writer for BigPockets.com and a volunteer at Franciscan Children Hospital. Chris will talk about real estate on terms with us today. 
Now let's dive into the conversation. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Lab Podcast. I have Chris Prefontaine here with me today. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, V. Hey, thank you for taking the time on here. So right off the bat, the first question I want to ask you, um, the location is St. Marcus, Texas, right? It's dinner time and you get to spend four hours with Dr. Joe Vitale. What was going through your mind when you first sat down with him? Well, that was pretty cool that you had that resource. I didn't know where that question was going. That's cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a, a preconceived notion of what I would what I would accomplish. I did have my journal with me and, and typically going all the way back to when I was in college. If I sat in front of someone like that, I'd want to know, you know, things they would do differently if they could go back. It's always a great question for someone that's, that's been out there and kind of seasoned in business. Um, and then he started, he's very good, and he started asking me questions about the business and then literally just started giving me contacts and ideas. And, and that's, how, that, that's why I do that a lot with people because just one nugget, one idea can mean a quarter of a million or a million. I, I can tell you just from him, um, I can attribute well over a quarter of a million, and that was a dinner. You know, it's, it's, it's just so important for, for, for people to get in front of people like that to expand their brain. So is it typically the, the kind of dinners that you like to go on and the masterminds that you uh, cultivate more new ideas to help you boost you um, to help you boost your business? Yeah, not necessarily dinners. That's that's rather unique. Um, I, I'm trying to think if I've, e I've even done another one of those. I don't think I have. Going way back to college, I would just ask business owners if I could have coffee or lunch with them buy them that and ask them questions. But now that we've got a, a growing business and obviously a, a much bigger company, uh, we participate in masterminds or similar. So what I mean by that, V, is I'll um, give you a, a direct example. I think it's always best. So at the end of 17, in the end of every year, we look at the following year and we say, okay, what do we need as a company to achieve our goals and in our overall five-year mission? And then what do we individually need for what we call specialized training? And then we pick those items. So at the end of 17, we knew, okay, we have the sales going. We know how to drive leads. What we need now is we need, we need to know how to scale. Like no one's scaled a business into the eight figures and, and seven and eight figures and up. So we found a company out of Arizona that allows, uh, sorry, helps assist uh, seven-figure businesses moving to eight. So you got to be doing a million or above to get in. And that, I can tell you, has been instrumental. In fact, I tell him, and he's humble, the owner, but I tell him that he has been responsible for us uh, doubling in business uh, for sure over the last 24 months. And so that's an example of what do we need next year and then find a group, you know? So this year, as I speak to you right now, we are interviewing three different people, my son-in-law, Zach, and I, for next year, to, for 2020, to see... Who do we want to attach to? What group are we going to join? What's best going to move the needle for us? So like we're literally doing that right now. So yeah, I'm a big proponent. I'm sorry that was a long answer to a very good question. Thank you. Another questions that I typically do with my guests is I want to just for for contacts, right? Can you tell us what would what it was like growing up in your household? Let's say you're eight years old that time. Um, actually, I kind of remember roughly that time frame. I um, worked for my father's family company. Uh, it wasn't real estate. It was a welding supply and industrial gas business. And he would throw me on delivery trucks uh, to experience that. I probably fell asleep at that age, but I went on the ride. Um, threw me in the shop to work, to sweep floors, uh, mowing the lawn, all those things. And then I had a lawn business. Uh, I think I was in junior high, so I, I didn't even drive. My parents had to drive me around with a mower, but I had like three or four accounts and they would just drop me off and pick me up to uh, to mow the lawns. And that was more towards like, early teens. So, so yeah, I was, <laughs> I was plucking away then. At what point did you realize that you wanted to get involved in, in real estate? Cause I, I noticed that uh, on your about page on your website, uh, smart real estate coach.com mentioned that you have been in real estate for 28 years. So at what point in your life did you say, Hey, I want to buy some real estate? Um, like I said, my father didn't have uh, real estate when I was around that company, but what, what I did get exposed to is two things. He would build buildings for the business and in doing that, he would rent them. So he would do that and then he would lease them back to his own company. And I saw him do that and it was commercial, it wasn't even residential. But then I saw him interacting with some of his entrepreneurial friends 
and they would team up and they would find raw land and they would permit it and flip it. They would never build because they had their own core businesses going on. So I was around that. And then I started reading some real estate books back then. Gosh, it was, it was maybe one of Trump's first books, for example, and it's nothing political about that. So don't take that anyone listening the wrong way. It's just what it was way back then. I remember reading it. And I also remember as I get a little bit older, the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, of course. So I, I don't know. I always just liked that. I went to college, but I, I knew that I wanted to do real estate. I was intrigued by it. Great. And now you have a, a company that's teaching thousands of people, you know, through your podcast and through your events. What you're doing now is really special, buying real estate with terms. So can you just do give me a 30,000 feet view of buying real estate with term? What does that mean to you? Sure. And and so this is one of those questions where I'll answer it, but we can go in a lot of different directions. So I'll take your lead with where you want to go with it. The the terms business to us, I'm going to answer what it means to us because there's all kinds of definitions. The terms business to us means buying on either lease purchase, owner financing, or we sometimes will buy subject to the existing mortgage staying in the seller's name. I know that can be a complicated one, but those are the three ways we buy. And when I say owner financing, that in and of itself can mean a whole bunch of different things. When we say it, we typically mean a property that is free and clear. There's no mortgage on it. And so that allows us to get super creative with the terms. And typically those terms to us, I, I won't even say typically, I don't know of an exception yet in all the hundreds of thousands of deals we've done on terms where we haven't paid principal only payments. So example, you have a house, it's 300,000, you own it outright, you have no mortgage. I'm going to structure monthly payments just for example's sake. Let's say it's $1,200 a month. Those are going to all principal, no interest. It's a reverse relationship. Most people are used to paying all interest and a teeny bit of principal. Well, this is all principal. And so you have massive, massive principal reduction. And in my eyes, more ways to protect yourself and be recession proof because that's how we operate. Every decision we make is, okay, is this recession proof or as close to it as we can? So every deal we do is one of those three categories. And I can I can go into more detail on these purchase if you'd like or, or whatever direction you want to take. No, it's, it's great. And I also have done uh, owner financing deals for a um, few years. And what we typically did um, was that we talked to the seller and um, negotiate a deal, usually pay more than retails um, at that time and have a balloon in you know, whatever terms we can come to agreement with the seller, uh, five years term, seven years term, 15, the longest is 25. So is that kind of the same thing that you and your company do? Yep. Uh, very, very good example you gave. Um, we've, we've gotten a little bit more, I don't want to say sophisticated. I'll say creative in our last few years now that we've got quite a portfolio. And I guess more important than having a portfolio, we've become a little bit smarter. I don't, doesn't matter that I've been at this 28 plus years. It, it just, things are always changing. So it's like you get a new business every year almost if you keep pushing. So example, we structured a 48 month uh, owner financing deal in the state of Massachusetts. Very lucrative deal. Uh, it, uh, I'll, I'll get people thinking here. It was a 183.9, 183,900 purchase with $923 a month principal payments. But by the time we get done exiting the way we exit a property, and install what we call a tenant buyer. The profit in this deal was around 130,000 on a 183 house. Then we took it after year two and we extended it by having the seller agree to a small principal pay down. So they increased their cash flow with us, but it was a principal pay down in order to extend it another year. We did that the following year during Christmas time when they need, when people tend to want more cash flow. And then this year, as of me talking to you, we have gone to them now and said, okay, you've now been collecting principal only for several years. We'd like to, to know if you're interested in adding a 4.5% interest rate to this and going out 15 more years, to which they said yes. Their accountant liked it. So we took a four-year deal, made it a five, then made it a six, then made it a 21. So that's just kind of moving the needle to the next level, so to speak. That's great. And that's one of the best benefits when you have to um, deal with the owners directly instead of with the bank. Because with the bank, you can never get these terms. 
Oh, it's a, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to annoy some bank if I, if I start talking about banks, but I just, I, I have no desire whatsoever to deal with banks and I have no desire whatsoever to sign personally after going through what I went through in, in, the, in the 2008 crash, because when you sign personally with a bank, they are coming looking for you when there's a recession period. End of story. There's no, they don't care what your story is. They don't care what your family is. They, they are coming after you. So we, uh, you got me thinking just by saying the word bank. So we have 50 or 60 properties at any one time ourselves as a family company, not counting our students that we, that we do deals with. And out of those 50 or 60, we are not on one single solitary loan personally ever. And that makes me sleep better at night and, and should help any new investor realize that they do not have to put themselves or their family at jeopardy. And another question that I want to ask you is typically from these deals that you enter into, do you give a down payment to the seller? We typically don't. Like on that deal, we wrote it in that it would be a $923 down payment just because the monthly payments were that. And we just made the first payment the day of closing instead of a month later. It was for the same month though. So we typically don't. Now, are there exceptions? Yes. I, I can think of only two exceptions. And this has been for, I don't know, the last seven or eight years, two exceptions. One is we bought our office building uh, about 13 months ago that we presently are in. And it has uh, two other tenants there as well. So it's a good investment in general. Plus, it's a great office building for us. We did owner financing. 25-year uh, term, we did put money down. And we made it for the first six or seven months totally principal pay down. Now, this was a very conventional a uh, seven-year-old investor who banks land. He's very wealthy. And he was just advertising that he would be open to owner financing, but he wanted a five point, I think it was 5.25% rate amortized. You know, he had all his details worked out. I said, okay, I'll pay your price, which most sellers, egotistical or just whatever it is, they want their price, period. So you can get creative with your term if you can get that. And you mentioned that earlier. So I said to him, we'll give you a down payment. Then we'll make monthly payments. But for the first, actually, I think it went about eight months. For the first eight months, all of that goes to principal, and then we'll amortize it, and we'll amortize it at 5.2%, to which he said yes. Why? Because he got less price. So that's one exception. The second exception is we bought an oceanfront home. My son-in-law structured this entire deal after he got on, you know, kind of got his legs in the business with us. And it, it's just under a million, and we did put 9,000 down on a, on a million-dollar property. But let me be super clear. When we put a down payment down, we don't take that out of personal cash and we don't borrow it from investors. We just don't. What we do is we take it from profits from another deal. Every single deal we do, every deal, we create three paydays and they average around 75 grand uh, a deal in our market. But when we have other paydays scheduled to come in off of other deals, we simply allocate that. If we know that down payment can help us get a better deal, on a new deal, great, we'll use it. And if it can't, then no sense of using cash, right? Right, right. And can you go more in details about your three different paydays? Yeah, I think it's super cool because like I'm speaking to a group of, of wholesalers this week uh, out in a different state, I'm flying to it. And I know, I was telling my wife, I know for a fact that they're all used to doing what? One payday. Right. They get a, in flippers too. And I've done it all. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I have people on my podcast that are good friends that do all that. So I, nothing against it, but just be aware that you don't have to have one payday deals. And before I explain the three, just think of this, you go into the new year every year and you have to go, Hmm, I have to now, if you had a great year, let's say in 2019, you get into January of 2020 and you got to think, Oh man, I got to like, I got to do all those deals over again to get that same income. Well, when you create three paydays, here's what happens. You, we exit all our properties with what we call tenant buyers. These are buyers that need time. They're not necessarily always a bad thing. It's some people self-employed and just haven't reported their income, even though they make really good income. So we put a tenant buyer in a home. Our payday one is what? It's a down payment. Right. That's non-refundable. That's our payday. It goes into our HIP National Bank. It's our money. Second payday is when we create these payments to the sellers, whether it's a lease purchase or the owner of financing example you and I just did, where, where I said we paid the seller $923. That was an actual deal. We did a rent to own with that with our tenant buyer for 1500. 
Now we had to pay insurance out of that. So call it 1400. That's a nice little spread. That's 470 some odd dollars. So that's payday two, but that's every month. So over a 48 month term or a 60 month term, that payday two adds up nicely and it's a nice cash flow. Payday three is interesting. Payday three takes two things into account. It takes into account the massive principal pay down you just had over the course of that entire program, especially if it's owner financing, like we discussed. And then you take into account the increase in the price. So I bought that house for 183.9, but I sold it for 225. So I had the principal pay down, crazy big principal pay down plus the markup. So that payday three is, is, gets very interesting. I'll give you our averages. Um, roughly speaking, our payday one is around 28 grand and our payday three ranges somewhere in the 30, 35 range. And then the, the rest of that's payday two to make up the 75,000 average. But I'm actually about in the middle V. We have students that out in Arizona are as low as 45 or 50 for all three paydays. Mm -hmm. But we have but we have students that hit the to multiple six figures. We had a deal this week in California with one of our student coaches, and he just got it signed. It's an owner financing deal, and all three paydays hit 200 grand on one house. Those are game changers. <laughs> That's great. My I think my first payday was um around 40 averaging around 40 was that's there. awesome <laughs> that was a few years ago the markets changed and um couldn't do a lot of what i did here in denver anymore well are you saying because they're busy busy or that you know they're selling things uh yeah the market is hot and you know days the market is just not um as favorable to buyers anymore uh it's less than you know a month to get anything if, if they just have to put it on the mls because with this method is that the seller has to wait a few years up to a, a long, long time, 10, 15, 20 years for them to get their payday. So a lot of the seller just opt with the option to go out and, and put it on the MLS, right? So a lot of objections that people like us had to, um, to handle. And one of the big things that I haven't been able to overcome in the last few years is that, you know, people just kept on saying, wait. I can get the exact same amount of money right now listing it on the MLS. Why should I wait for, you know, that long? Okay. So a couple, couple thoughts here. Um, we have um, students in, in active deals in very hot markets right now. So I, I, I always describe this as just kind of knowing when to, two things, when to pivot and change directions right. and when to fish in a different pond. So let me give you an example. In a very hot market, we, again, we have plenty of them around North America, U.S. and Canada. You are, are you going to go ahead and have any success or or big success with for sale by owners? Probably not. They're probably selling, like you said. Right. In every hot market, every hot market, are there listings that expire? Yes, there are. Now, I'm not saying you want them all, but some expire for reasons you don't want. But there are expired listings, and sometimes there are weird circumstances with family or planning or timing things that the conventional market can't deal with, like the oceanfront home we bought. She was a realtor in a hot market near what we call down here Cape Cod. It's a resort area. Why did she sell? Well, we found out she wanted to live in the home longer to care for a sick mom, but wanted the, the burden and just the mental thought of having that house on her own books. People still shake their head and say, why did that woman sell you their home and stay in there? It was, a, it was the craziest deal. Because we solved a major problem for her or, or we created a solution for what she was challenged by. So one is fish in the right pond with expireds. The other pond you can fish in when, a hot, or when there's a market that's hot is the for rent by owner market. In your area, there are for rent by owners, no question. In every hot market there are. Right. And, you, and you speak with these landlords and sometimes they're just burnt out and, and you open their eyes to a whole new world. And the third pond to fish in is free and clear, like we talked about you and I earlier. Just go okay. find the free and clear people that don't want cash right now. There's a whole bunch. My the building owner that sold us the building said, I don't want to be cashed out. Don't refinance. Like, I don't want to be cashed out. Yeah, definitely. And another question that I want to ask you is, what is your number one question to ask when you are trying to figure out someone's motivation? Well, okay, great question. Because that is the number one. The motivation is the number one thing I look at when I'm handed a property information sheet, more so than the numbers because I can make everything work if I can hit the motivation. So uh, the, the answer is if, if my virtual assistant is calling or one of the team members, they fill it out on the sheet, the reason for selling. If I'm calling 
after my first initial, you know, how you're doing open questions, I'm asking, I'm curious, the house looks great. Why, why is it that you're selling? Do you have a certain time frame? And I just be quiet because their motivation to sell is what you need to be able to solve or look at or create a solution for in order for you to have a killer deal. No question. That's, that's awesome, man. You know, it's really it's goal when you just sit there and listen to the seller on the other side, just don't say a word. And my, um, one of my mentor used to teach me just say something and then just shut up for at least seven seconds. Just whatever you do, just don't say a word. And then the other side usually just fill in that gap with, you know, tons of information that we can use later on. I agree. Uh, I, I definitely think that was great advice he or she gave you because we try to teach our students when they're new, everyone's nervous. So I, I, I kid around with them. And I say, we critique calls. I get to hear their calls. We help them get better. So I'll hear their call and I'll write back to them saying, you gave them a buyer seminar. Like they didn't even ask you for that. You basically gave them a seminar. So instead, ask a question and be quiet. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Now, um, Chris, can you, I know you have a big empire now that you're running. Can, can you share with us what system and process you have in place right now to run this business that you have? Um, believe it or not, it's pretty simple. Um, we have, if you think about any business, what's the number one thing there's, there's a few, but one, number one is, um, uh, lead generation. Right. So we have virtual assistants that, uh, dial, we have a really good team of them right now. And they also work for some of our students. So that's been nice to be able to control that and train them. So that brings in the lead generation. They will generate either online or in, you know, by, by hard copy, a property information sheet with all the information that we need. Like we talked about motivation, price, time frame, mortgage payment, et cetera, so that we can then be speaking with people that want to speak with us. So that's system, system number one. Number two for lead generation is we have a system called uh, expired dialing process. That means instead of me or you picking up the phone and dialing one expired listing at a time to see if they're open or our virtual assistant doing that, we can hit it four or five, 600 of them at a time. Uh, and then we have a system to repeat that, kind of repeat and rinse, rinse and repeat, and uh, hit them again so that the cream kind of rises and the interested expired listings will call you. They're touched by a, a voice message. It goes to their direct to their voicemail. The ones that are not, to, uh, they don't land, they don't make it to the seller's voicemail, then we will have the virtual assistants call them manually. Now, I don't want the listeners to think, okay, that's like a big system. It takes a whole bunch of people. No, it was me by myself. That's how I started it. Uh, in a in a in a market where everyone said you're crazy to even do that. So that grew to then teaching my son-in-law Zach, who was just a bartender and a personal trainer, no real estate experience, did not grow up with it at all. Um, he he then moved into the role of doing the same thing I just described and being our uh, our acquisitionist. We call it our seller specialist. So that's a, that just that one body or, or one person, if you're an investor or a solopreneur, you can handle all your own lead generation in about 10 hours a week. You don't need, I mean, people say, what, what, what if I want to be full time? Okay, great. But I, I don't, I can't really fill 40 hours for you right now. You don't need 40 hours maybe to learn, but not to do the lead generation. Then after the lead generation, there's what we call the seven steps to a taken. We call getting a contract a taken. And so you, fo you follow through these steps by obviously going out to the property, filling out the, the walkthrough sheet, then coming back to the office and constructing offers. And then we have a format for that. It's, a, it's basically four different options. Sometimes you'll use one for a seller, meaning you might send them a seller uh, owner financing. Sometimes you'll send them a seller, an owner financing in a, in a lease purchase. So there's that whole offer stage. And I think you and I were talking about one of my books earlier, but in the, in the main book, The Real Estate on Your Terms, it walks through literally everything you and I are touching upon very, very lightly right now. But it is, it is the systems make it predictable. I, I want those sense to hear that loud and clear because oftentimes it's people think it's vague or ambiguous when you're talking about real estate. It's very, very predictable. In other words, I can tell you how many appointments it's going to take for you to get a contract. I can tell you how many contracts it'll take for you to have a sold. I can tell you how many people you have to talk to to even get in the door. Well, that means you can now predictably set up your entire year when you start talking about systems and, and whatnot. So I don't know if I nailed exactly what you're looking for. If not, yeah, you yeah. can go back. Yeah, no, that's great. That's definitely what I was looking for. And, you know, lead gen is, is one of the big things in <clears throat> solopreneur and especially in this owner financing uh, deal business. Um, 
can you give us a response rate um, from your VA dialing for for dollar or um, mailers? Um, so for every 10 property information sheets uh, that they send us, we have anywhere from three to seven sellers that said yes. In other words, the other ones either said, I'm not sure, maybe or no to terms. When they were asked the question, if you got your price, would you be open to uh, seller financing or lease purchase? Um, I don't know. They have it, but I don't know off the top of my head how many dials that took to get those property inf information sheets. Here's what I do know that's important. For every five hours they work for us or one of our students, they will produce one and a half to two property information sheets per hour they work. So that's an important number. Because most of them only want to hire a VA for about five hours because they can afford it. That's not a big expense. And they want to know, am I going to get my six or seven or 10 leads? And, and the answer is yes. Every time, almost without fail, you'll get your, say, let's say six to 10 leads for every five hours they work in a given week. Well, if you know that, now you know how many additional leads you want to generate yourself. And, to, and if that matches up with your goal, perfect. If it doesn't, you've got to either lower your goal or increase your input for the lead gen. It's that predictable. So that's what we're working on constantly with people. And usually if, there's a, if the results aren't happening, there's a bottleneck. And on our weekly calls, we'll figure it out with you. Where's the bottleneck? Is it the lead gen? Is it you on the phone converting to an appointment? Or is it when you get out there converting to a contract? And then we work on that together. So it's constant you know, tweaking and adjusting. And the VA that you use, are they based in the U.S. or in Philippines, India? Where are they? Um, we have since 2013 had one gentleman, he's in the U S and then since then we've built a team around him, some are U S and some are Philippines. Um, they are very, very well trained now. And we've just, man, I, we must've burned through three or four different companies between them, either going out of business or us being frustrated or even a big company that we had in the U S once where. They charged us and our students a setup fee, and then it took two weeks to set up, and we're thinking, well, that's two weeks that they could be doing deals. So now we have our own team. We don't charge a setup fee. We just say, go use them, and we, they get to deals quicker because they could start, like, if they join us this week, they can start next week. It's just much more efficient. So they're all spread out, but they're controlled by us. So is this more like freelancers that you have been um, able to get in contact with, and now they're working under your company? Yeah, exactly. They met us through different referrals or one of them I can think in particular, the company went out of business and we had been using them only for a few hours, but we got along really well. And they, they said, by chance, do you need more hours? We said, yes, we took them on. Then he started knowing other people and he built a team around himself and he runs them and they all work with my son-in-law, Zach. So yeah, we built like this mini uh, team virtual that calls for us and our students. I'm talking probably to the tune of about 100 hours a week. All said they, that they work for different students or us. And typically, how much do you pay per hour for um, these VAs to work for you? To you know, cold Yeah, uh, I think we're somewhere in the range of a low of eight and a high of 20. I know the high is 20. That's the gentleman that's been with us for since 2013. And I know inevitably people say to me, well, I can get it cheap in the Philippines. Or I get it cheaper over here. Okay, great. But you've got to go train them now. And you got to start from scratch. So we don't mind paying the money. We also incentivize them. So if we get a contract, they get a bonus. If we get a sold, they get a bonus. Now, our students can bonus more if they want, but we give them a formula that we'd like them to at least maintain so that these VAs have huge incentive to work for our community. We call it the Wicked Smart Community for Smart Real Estate Coach. And they are excited to work for these guys because they get compensated well and they get bonused. That's awesome. Now, for do, those of you that are listening, um, if you still want to hear from Chris after this episode, you can go to www.smartrealestatecoach.com slash webinar and you can listen to him for about 60 to 70 minutes and he will break down all of this concept for you in details. Yeah, I appreciate that, V. No problem. Now, let's go back to um, your your students. Um, the Wicked Smart Community, you call them, right? Mm hmm Yes. Let's say someone who is new and, and joining your program. And I understand that not everyone can get in. There's an application process, right? Can you explain that? Yeah. So good question. Anyone can go through the webinar and then if they want more information, go through the online course. I We don't restrict that piece. However, if they say, look, I, I want to fast forward this or I want to get aggressive or I want someone on my shoulder, like literally locking arms with me, that we do have different programs and they would apply for those. 
We have a group program that meets weekly. We have the other three programs are more, much more aggressive where we literally match effort for effort. That's one of our core values, actually, for, with, as a company. So what that means is we'll start a student off on one of the um, more aggressive programs. We'll have weekly calls. And then once they get up and running, if they're, if they're out there banging calls and sending us calls to critique and doing everything we say to do, we know what's going to follow is deals, and we know that's going to take more than a weekly call. So some of my uh, students, I've been with them for many years now, we talk almost daily to some of them, almost daily. But they're also the ones that are doing you know, over a million in, in, in revenue. So uh, there's different ways of, of approaching that, but they are all are by application after the main online course. That's great. Now, let's say someone who's been through the course and been through your, your system with the VA, now they have a lead. What is it that, what are some of the advice that you give them before they go out to meet with the seller face-to-face for the first time? Well, <clears throat> a couple of things. Um, I, I, and this just happened recently. Some of our programs allow us to um, go out with our students, right? So I, I happened to be with a student two Saturdays ago and he came on an appointment with me. And this answers your question about what to do when you go out. And he saw how I did the appointment. And we left and it was only about 15 minutes and we left and he said, oh, I am complicating it. I am getting, I am acting like this is a sales process. You just did that very nonchalant. So that surprised me because we always tell them, look, you're just going out there to take information, have conversation, maybe learn more about the motivation and then letting them know you'll get back to them with an offer. This is not like you, you're not in the sales mode here, like for any of our deals. You're in, what, what can I solve? What can I help you create? What solution do you need? That's a mode you're in. It's no, it's like thinking about a, a doctor or an accountant or an auto body shop or a lawyer. What do they do? They don't they don't really sell. They solve issues. Well, that's all you're doing when you go to a, a, a home is you're listening to your earlier point to what they need to accomplish or solve or fix. And then if you have a solution, terrific. If you don't, you tell them you don't. This is not a complicated process at all. I don't know if that's what you meant by going when you go out there. Just the mindset, do they do you have them visualize that they're gonna have success meeting with the seller or you know things that you do with your minds and and gotcha. Yeah. Well okay this is a this is a this is probably a a, a three hour conversation in this piece, but <laughs> we'll we'll fix it in a few <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Okay. So I and I wouldn't have thought to bring this up. So thank you for bringing up the mental piece. So we teach everybody the same skill sets. Why then do some people do a deal in 30 days, in 60 days, in six months, in one year? Why does it take some people one year? And that those are true numbers I just gave you. Well, it's all the headspace. It's all mental. So, and that's not a bad thing. We we hire coaches internally, myself and, and my son-in-law and my son. We hire t- personal coaches to work on this ourselves. And then once we find someone really good, we expose them to the Wicked Smart community. So I'll give you an example. And later on after the show, I'll... I'll give you a link and you can stick it in the show notes. But we have a, a a doctor that we've hired for all of us and she coaches us. And then we then we say, wow, this this works. This is super, super helpful. It's all mental work. Okay, well, if it's super helpful and one of our our main missions is to help our, our associates, that's who we call the people around the country we do deals with. If our mission is to help them create 1,500 transactions and that's going to help them, then we expose them to that. That's how we operate on every level. We don't expose people to anyone that we don't operate with. So she is now coaching, I would say, a good 10 or maybe even 20% of our community uh, with her work. Now, we know for a fact that's going to improve deals. So do we tell people to go out and visualize? Yeah, all of that. Like that's all ongoing mental work. Here's why. When before our business went from zero to to a half a million, let's say, in the early, early days. That's great. But when we went from half a million to a million, are there different mental hurdles, as you know, that you'll have to go through? Yes. yes. When you go from a million to two, is it totally different? Yes. When you go from two to th- on and on. So you've got to continually work on that mental piece. It, but is one of hundreds of things, a visual and, and some things like that? Yes. That's why Joe Vitale came and spoke at our event and you know, went through all those success habits like that. This is super, super important. But again, we, you and I could probably talk about that for days. It is very important. And can you talk more about your event? Um, what's it like and who, who should attend? Yeah, uh, we have two events a year only. And, and when I say that, uh, I always say we don't travel and doing promo events. I'll travel when I'm asked to travel, like I'll be in Buffalo, New York, speaking to Aria. But we don't go around doing smart real estate coach events. 
So these two events are held uh, in our hometown here in Rhode Island. And it, one takes place in April. It's called Business Scaling Secrets. That is more of a kind of a uh, in the trenches. If you're brand new, how to ramp up. If you're already in business, how do you scale? More of operational things that you can really learn from. And then every September, give or take, as it goes into October, we have the Quantum Leap Systems uh, live event. It's free for people that went through our online course for their first year. They can come for free. And it is the bigger event. And that is more micro, uh, macro level. That's things like the mindset and doing deals. And we do a lot of deal structure at both of those events because once a student learns how to structure a deal and become what I call in the book a master kind of engineer, transaction engineer, meaning they can kind of work any deal, then they're pretty powerful. They're pretty confident they can go get deals. So these two events handle that at different levels. And we sell it every year. And who can go is anyone, literally. I mean, the only people that can't go because they'd be lost is if you didn't get through the course yet, there's really no sense. You, you'll you feel like you got a drink with a fire hose. It'd just be too much information. So our events are very specific uh, for people that have gone through the QLS video program and they want to bring things to the next level. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. So if you're interested to go, you should definitely check out the QLS system, Quantum Leap system. And also, uh, you mentioned that you have a few books out there. I understand you. there's a way for the audience to get your books for free. Yeah, they're both on Amazon. They're both bestsellers. Uh, but the first one, because it's everything you and I are talking about right now, it's a hardcover. Um, but instead of going to Amazon, I'll, if they just fill out a form that you can put in your show notes, it's free, srecbook.com. So free, srecbook.com. They just have to say they heard it on this show with you and we will ship it. And it's, and it's not the uh, form that you have to also put a credit card in when they say, oh, just, just pay for shipping and you got to pay six or eight dollars. You will put no credit cards in and we will ship it for free. It costs us hard cost postage, a little over six dollars a book. And we'd love to send it out. Just again, mention the show. Awesome. Thank you for doing that, Chris. Now, let's go back to uh, what we discussed earlier. Now, after the, the meeting with the seller, of course, now your your associate has to come back to the office and then underwrite that deals. What are the things that you look for when you when you teach them to underwrite? Yeah, I want to know uh, I want to know the mortgage details at that point. And so now they've already gone to the house, and because some people say, "Well, I couldn't get the mortgage information before going." I, that's fine, but once you leave the house, you kind of have to know what the underlying debt is, if there is underlying debt. You need to know the principal pay down that's built into that loan, all the details about the loan. You also uh, need to know, obviously, as part of that loan research, is it in arrears? Um, surprisingly, uh, some people don't tell you that until at this point where you figure out that the 10 grand in arrears. So you need to know everything about that. You need to understand their timing because you can't structure a deal and say, well, it's contingent upon me finding my buyer, which we do a lot, or well, We'll close in 120 days. You, you need to know their timing so you can structure something that's a win-win or you're wasting time. Um, so all the math, it would be the simple answer there. And then um, when they spoke with you at the house, presumably you found out not just about the underlying debt if there is some, but if there's any equity, are they able to wait for that equity and how long? If there's no debt, are they able to take payments? What's the minimum they could take and how long if they got their price? So when you walk through just conversationally, you found things like that out and just as you were chatting with them and that allows you to go back and, and put together an offer. And what we do, uh, gosh, it's on YouTube for free, but it's also in the course and we do it at the live events. It's just constant, constant deal structuring. So you see every scenario, none of them are the same. And you know how to then, after you gather this information for the office and, un and you're going to underwrite it like you just referred to, you know all these things because you've seen so many different deal structures. And you mentioned earlier you have four different offers that you give to the seller at any one point? Uh, not not all the time. So there's four. What we provide the students with is we call the four, four options offer, but they don't use them all every time. So very often, if you're a seller, I would send you a um, uh, lease purchase and, and also what we call an AO. We call it AO is a sign out. It means we're going to lease purchase your home. And instead of us finding our buyer and creating three paydays and all that that we talked about, we're going to find that same buyer and we're going to assign it 
out. We're going to assign it back to the seller. They're going to deal with the buyer directly. But that's only a one paycheck thing. We don't do a lot of those anymore, but they are very easy for a new student to do. So those, the, there's two options right there. And then a third and a fourth would be if it's debt free, there's another option, right? About owner financing we discussed. Mm -hmm. And then if they're over leveraged or they owe what it's worth, you can throw out a fourth option of subject two. So that means I'm buying your house and I'm going to own it because it's not a lease, but the loan's staying in your name until someday I cash it out. And so we do a bunch of those as well. What do you do in the event that you need to put in money to fix it up? Do you then deduct it from the price or do you ask the seller to give you a credit? Um, you know, they'll pay you. I've done that before where I asked the seller to pay me to buy that house. Yeah, that's awesome. I love those stories. I, we didn't have many of those. I did a six unit like that, though. Those are fun. Um, we don't we don't rehab if we're going to do a, a, a rent own buyer because we sell it as is and we make sure they can handle it if it needs work. But most of our properties are nicer homes. You know what I mean? And, and I don't mean price wise. It could be a hundred thousand dollar house, but it's moving ready. Um, we have had many where it needed work and we just pass that along. So you got to price it accordingly to the buyer. As far as negotiating with the seller, yeah, use it as your negotiation chip. Look, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, I, I know you think it's worth 150, but when I get done all these repairs, when you agree, it's going to cost me about 30 grand. Yes. Okay. Well, then I can't pay that. You know, you just, it's just asking questions and getting them to come to the same conclusion. That's great, Chris. Now, what are some of the common myths that you see around owner financing deals and things that you, your students kind of open their eyes after they join your program? Myths. Well, one is just, that it won't work in your marketplace. People say it to me all the time. And you, as you can imagine, every marketplace, well, it won't work here because it's a flat market. It won't work here because it's busy. It won't work here because it's high end. Okay. We have all of those. We have students all over the place, ranging from 60 grand homes to $1.8 million homes, ranging from flat markets to hot markets. Cause I don't think any market's diving yet, but flat to hot. So that the one is the, the market's different. No, it's not. You just have to know where to fish, what pond to fish in for your leads. Um, the second one is, I, I won't call it a myth. I just say that most people can't understand. They can't fathom how, like I just gave you an earlier deal. We bought for 183. We're going to pull 130 grand out of it. Probably more now that I extended it, way more. But we, you know, we had a student the other day come in with a $130,000 owner financing deal. He's going to make over the course of five years, somewhere around 90 grand on that thing. So it's not that it's a myth. It's just they don't understand it until their eyes are open to the world of terms. And, and again, you can just, this is not, it's free. You can go look on and see how these deals are structured. Um, so uh, the other thing is just mismanage expectations. B. I don't know if that really nails the, the myth question, but, but relative to terms and students when they come in, I, I just wish everyone listening would not get caught up in the late night commercials and not get caught up in the get rich quick and think that this, that manage your expectations. This will take some time. However, we have students that, you know, painfully went through the training, painfully went through the mental growth that was needed to make the money that you're going to want to make. And after a year, when I gave that example, I was, I was deliberately using a year earlier because we have two students that just went past the year point and all of a sudden the floodgates are open. They have like four to six deals each. That is a, that is a true grit. You know, there's a book called grit out there. It's really cool. That's true grit where they just, they muscled it out for a year. Now, why did they do that? Because they didn't mismanage their expectations and say, well, I'll try this or yeah, this, I need a deal like in 60 days or this won't work. Like they didn't do that. They said, this is a big business and I'm committing. So here's my, my kind of my call to action for everyone. It doesn't have to be my niche. It doesn't have to be a promise. I don't care what niche you're in. I'm not so naive to think ours is the best. It is, in my opinion, it is best for us. But if you find a niche you like, whatever it may be, then find a coach or a person or someone you can kind of use as a sounding board in that niche that's still working not 20 years ago 10 years ago that's scary real estate changes too quickly someone that's working right now and the third is the big one with the expectation the third is once you find that don't try that because try means you're going to quit commit for 36 months 36 months now you it won't take you that long but if you commit to 36 months you will have a phenomenal experience just don't get tripped up by what I call the shiny object syndrome and go try something else. Just find that niche, settle on it, and then go go real fast. Now, I know it's a lot more than you asked. I'm sorry if I went on, but that's a super important. 
No, that's great. I I love what you just said there because I went through the same experience when I started doing this this business with um, owner financing deals. I went for one year without making anything. There you go. We spend about two thousand dollars in marketing, um, just sending out mailers every month. We didn't buy anything for a year, and then let's about uh, one week into the new year. I bought four houses in the same week. There you go. There you go. I see. I didn't know that, and that was exactly what people have to do. And and you and I, I, I think you'd agree with this. We're not saying to everyone it'll take all of you a year. We're saying don't worry if it is. Like don't worry. Be be part of a community or a group that that knows that and can show you how to get through it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Another thing I want to ask you, just to change the subject a little bit. Um, I understand that you do something special for you students who are have hit the cap off. Um, mm-hmm. you, what exactly is the, is the cap up and can you explain what you do with them with the wheels up program? Yeah, you did some really good homework. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cap out means at the associate levels, we, we revenue share with our, with our students. So there's different percentages for different programs, but the bottom line is if V was a brand new uh, associate of ours, we're going to revenue share. We're going to do the deal with you. I'm talking about like right down to the paperwork and then talking to your seller because you're not sure how to yet. And then my son, Nick's going to talk to your buyer because that's all he does. And we're going to do this deal like we're in, in your business, even though you're doing it in your company. And so a cap out means at each level, you don't need us or want us in your life or your business forever. I mean, I, I take it as a huge compliment that people want to hang out with the Wicked Smart community. They really feel like they're family. They become friends. Our events are amazing like that, and you'll see that if you come. But but even still, you don't need us revenue sharing with you forever. You don't. So after roughly 10 deals, I'll just use that as the example. That's that's the two higher levels. They cap out. They've done their 10 deals with us. Now, we're still kind of quasi-partners. We're getting paid on, on, on the three paydays on those 10 only. They go off and do, Bill in DC has done like 24 deals. We have not gotten paid on the other 14 deals. He still comes to every event. He still comes to every mastermind. He's still part of the community. What we do when they camp out is we take them on a private jet with, with the wheels up and we've changed how we're doing that. We're going to do it in groups because they all said they wanted to be together. So we're going to do three or four at a time as they cap out and we take them somewhere. We can rent a house. We can rent a hotel. We can go to a resort and, and we do that for a night or two and then we come back and they stay in the community regardless of that. We thought originally we'll do that trip and then it's kind of like they graduate. Well, no, they don't go anywhere. They love, they love being part of the community. <laughs> That's great. Now, Chris, one last thing before I, I let you go. Can you share okay. with us what is your most favorite success or mindset quote? I got to think without having any prep work on that, that it's never, never, never give up. And I think that was uh, Churchill, wasn't it? That's an old one. Yeah, that's great, Chris. Thank you so much for your time on the show with me today. I, I'm sure people have opened their mindset about this owner financing concept and they have learned a lot from you with the way that your company do business. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Your questions were awesome, and I, I appreciate you being prepared because that was fun. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, hey, hey. Before you go, do not forget to get Chris's free book. Go back to the show notes section and grab that free book. And also, if you want to hear from Chris and learn these concepts, you can check it out at www.smartrealestatecoach.com slash webinar. And the link is also available in the show notes, so you don't have to write it down if you are driving. Have a great day. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.